Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Our Father, we praise you this day. We glorify you this day. Our Father, we see those lines of that song, uh, Heal our streets and lands. Heal our nation, Lord. Revive us, Lord. Lord, we look around and we see so many problems and so many issues in our country, so many struggles, so much strife, so much division. Oh Lord, we look to you for healing. We look to you for a future and a hope. Lord God, we, we bring our nation before you this morning. We ask that you would do only what you could do. Revive, Lord. Transform, Lord. Make new, Lord. So many things that we can all bring to mind immediately, Lord that we'd like to see fixed and like to see changed and transformed. Lord, we bring them to you. But Lord, the, the, the tenor of that song, the, the truth of that song is we want you to start with us. Lord God Almighty, revive us. Lord God Almighty, turn us back to you. Oh Lord, maybe we've gotten away from you. Maybe we've drifted away from you. Maybe we've set up other idols in our life. Maybe we've turned to other gods. Maybe we've walked away from you in some fashion, in some way. Lord, build your kingdom in our life again. Rule over us again. Draw us near to you again. Make us love you more than we love anything else. Lord God, help us fall in love with you again. Help us be present with you again, to know you again, to, to be with you day by day again. Help us to worship you, Lord, as only you are worthy of worship. Let us be your people, Lord, of praise and worship. And in that sense, Lord, start a fire in us, Lord. Draw us back to you, to our first love. Give us passion and, and hunger to glorify you and magnify you and lift you up in this world and in our lives. Lord, stir up this church and the other churches of the valley. Lord, not, not with any worldly sense of accomplishment or success or anything like that but all the, the brethren, all the brothers and sisters in Christ. And we, we would love you more than anything again. We live for you, as only you deserve. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we continue our sermon series today on prayer. And would you please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught His disciples. And He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he will answer from within, not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Tell you though, he will not get up, get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if, he has a son, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a, a, a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. <clears throat> so the Lord Jesus is praying um, and His disciples are noticing how He's praying. The Jewish people had been steeped in prayer from little kids. The, the, his, his, his congregation, the people that listened to Him, that He's met with here, they, they've, they've learned prayer their whole life. But they've learned the, the Jewish way to pray in, in the Psalms and the, the recited prayers. They're seeing something different in Jesus. And so one of the disciples says, Hey, Jesus, you know, I, we know that John's disciples taught him to pray. Can you teach us? As, you know, we're your disciples. Can you teach us to pray? And, you know, we don't know if there's much more dialogue there, but Jesus says, yeah, when you pray. Jesus assumes that we are going to be a praying people. He assumes that his disciples are going to pray whenever you pray, as you pray. As you live in prayer, whenever you pray, pray, pray like this. And we, we ran down this a little bit last week, but he, he gives three petitions there in Matthew's version. Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. And in Matthew's version, and your will be done. Okay? And so the, the, the prayers start off with these, these grand petitions for God's glory, for His fame, for His honor. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And then he moves into our needs. Three, three prayers for our needs. But, but he, he, he drives home the point by telling a story, a parable. And uh, in the ancient Near East, you know, there there's, wasn't very many big cities, you know, big mega towns or whatever. There are a lot of villages in the countryside. And in the countryside, if you ran out of something, there, there's no corner store to run down to. There's no Walgreens or, or city market or anything. You can just pop in your car and go get it. And so uh, a visitor shows up in the village. And this is, this is important for everybody, according to Jesus' parable. Everybody in the village has a, a place of honor in taking care of guests. Hospitality in so many cultures are so important. And so, so the, the, the host, though, the, the, apparently the guest showed up unannounced and he wasn't ready for him. And he doesn't have any food, no, no bread. And so probably bread stands for the whole meal. And so he goes around to the neighbors. Hey, you got some food? You got some food? Because, you know, in that culture, they lived day to day, right? So they probably ate all the bread they had that day. Hand-to-mouth kind of existence. And so he's going around to the other, the other the houses and saying, You got food? You got food? And he gets to this one house and choo -choo -choo, pounds on the door. Hey, I know you have food inside. <laughs> Basically is the imagery Jesus wants us to see. And, and the guy inside's like, Ah, no, go away. I'm already in bed. You know, the kids are in bed. I'm, I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> I 
I don't know what kind of pajamas they had, but nevertheless, uh, he's, he's, he doesn't respond. He, he withholds. The guy's knocking, and the guy's seeking, and the guy's asking. Right? And, 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 the, and the guy inside's like, go away. But he keeps knocking, and keeps seeking, and keeps asking. And, and eventually, the guy gets up and says, okay, you can have some bread. You know? And, and Jesus' point is, that's not how your Heavenly Father is. We've got neighbors, we've got stingy neighbors, we've got stingy people all around us, but your Heavenly Father is not stingy with His resources. Your Heavenly Father is not withholding. Your Heavenly Father gives, and He gives, and He gives. That's what we spent a lot of time the last few weeks talking about. Our Heavenly Father is like the Father, the prodigal, right? Who's merciful. He, he, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He's gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve, right? He, he's abounding in steadfast love. He's abounding in love. He just gives and He gives. He's, he's faithful at all times with His people. He's quick to forgive, our Heavenly Father is like that. And He's the one who opens the door. When He sees needs that His children have, He opens the door. And so Jesus is saying, man, keep asking your Heavenly Father for what you need. He's going to open the door. He's not like the, the, the stingy neighbor. And He's not like somebody that misunderstands what to give. Like a son asks for a fish, he doesn't give him a serpent. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't give what's wrong or out of place. He gives exactly what's needed. And so he's teaching, he's teaching the guys, well, here's what you pray for, and here's the attitude of the Spirit. Here's, here's the way you look at your Father. Man, he just, he, he gives. He answers prayer. He responds to your prayers that you bring before the throne of God. He responds to our prayers. He answers our prayers and answers our needs when we cry out to Him. What a great God we have. You know, I, I imagine Jesus' sermons went on a long time because He had been in the presence of the Father and they got Him rolling on something. I bet, man, the hours just went by. <sighs> you notice what he, he starts off with. He says, this is the content. Okay, th th it starts off with the, the how, starts off with the who, our Father. And then the content is, is glorify God, ask for God's glory, let it be. Let it come. Let, let the world see how holy God is. They, they don't see it now. Let, let the world see how God's rule is over all things. They, they don't see it now. Let, let the kingdom come. Let, let the will of God be done. The, the people aren't seeking out God's will. The people aren't hungry for His will. They're not hungry to obey God. Let it be, Lord. So Jesus is teaching these prayers. He's saying, man, and so it's, it's wild. He says, these are, these are earth-changing, society-changing, family-changing prayers that I want you to pray. If you pray according to my will, if you pray these prayers, God, the Father, is going to answer. And, and so he's starting us down a road of, of incredible prayer. These are fantastic prayers. These, these are incredible prayers. Maybe you grew up in a home where you said the Lord's Prayer all the time and it just became this, this noise in the background or you said it like a parrot. Our Father who art in heaven. You said it like, Father art in heaven, how be thy name. You just went through it and you said it and it didn't mean anything. But Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. And when you pray these ways, <clears throat> the world's changed. And uh, so it, it's pretty awesome when we think about prayer and what it means to be in communion with God and communication with God. And that's what He wants from us. He wants us to pray. Uh, and so again, we, we, we pray these prayers. So the, the three petitions, the thou petitions that we talked about last week, uh, uh, we start, make your name holy. Okay, isn't God's name already holy? 
We talked about that last week as well. Isn't, yeah, it is holy. He is holy. He's the most holy thing in the world. Right? Uh, but, and then we step back and we say, well, but the world around us, they don't treat Him as holy. How many times did you hear God's name taken in vain this week? How many times did people run God's name through the mud this week? Used His name as a curse word this week? Blankety blank, Jesus. Jesus blankety blank, God blankety blank. Man, they, they're not seeing Him as holy. They're not treating Him as, as holy. So we pray... Right? That, that, it, that it would become, He'd become holy in, in, in our sight, in the people's sight, in the world's sight. May your kingdom come. So God does, doesn't God rule? He, he does rule in heaven through our Daniel series. How many times we see he, he has dominion over all things. He rules over all things. He is the God of the ages. Right? From age to age, He reigns and He rules. But the problem is, some of in our family, some of us, some of the people that we know... They, they, don't, they don't see God as ruling. We, we're praying that they would come under the reign of the King. We're, we're praying, Jesus is calling us to pray for the lost to be found. He's calling, he's calling for the kingdom to come, and, and we'll talk about that in a moment, all that that entails. We pray these things because in heaven they're happening, but on earth people aren't doing the will of God. People aren't seeking the will of God, so we pray and we, we ask, we knock and we seek and we ask, Oh God, may, may people get it. May they hear your word, may they understand their, your word, and may, may they, they bow the knee and may they follow you and obey you and trust you. Right? Because we know right now it's not happening, so we pray for it. We, we, we pray for it. That God would move and act. And, um, so so fan, fantastic prayers. And again, if God answered these things, the world would be a different place. If, if His people were praying these things, I guarantee you our town would be a different place. Our society would be a different place. Our government would be a different kind of government. You can't put a limit on the, 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 the length of these prayers, the height of these prayers, the impact of these prayers. But have you thought, uh, perhaps, um, about prayer? And, and maybe, maybe let, me start, let, me, let me come back to you and, and say, maybe you're a person right now that doesn't believe in prayer. Uh, maybe you, you come and you hear this and it sounds flowery and it sounds nice and it sounds, wow, that's, that's cool, but you have no intention of being a person of prayer. And, and maybe it's because of this. Uh, there, there's a lot of people in the world today that they, they have a, a concept of God. They have an idea of God in their mind. And for instance, some people might say, well, God is sovereign. Okay? God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. So why would I bother praying? C.S. Lewis, uh, he made up in one of his books, A Skeptic's Voice. And, and the skeptic in his book said, uh, I don't see at all why... Uh, God would listen to the ill-informed advice of humans. I, I, I don't see at all why he would, he would listen to our prayers. The skeptic in C.S. Lewis's books. If God is all wise as you say He is, doesn't He already know what the best course is and what the best plan is, what the best action is? Why pray? 
Or if, if God is, is all good like you say He is, does He need to be convinced to do what's good? Of course not. If He's all good, why, why, should, why should I pray? Uh, is He going to listen to me in my prayers? And so in several of C.S. Lewis's books, he runs down that, that path a little bit, talking about sovereignty. And before he became a Christian, he was an atheist. He was a professor um, in England there, and, and he, he knew all the arguments. He knew them backwards and forwards, because that was his life before. Uh, but there was a time when his brother was at war, and, and his family told him to pray for his brother. And he really had a crisis, because he asked the question, how would my prayers affect the outcome of my brother's life in, in a war? And, and so the, the skeptic says, boy, why in the world would God listen to our ill-informed advice? Uh, why, why would God listen to our prayers? And C.S. Lewis's answer was, well, why, why should humans do anything? Why should humans' works uh, account for anything? Like, why should you wash your hands? Shouldn't God wash your hands? If he's sovereign, why should you put on your boots in the morning? If God is sovereign, let him do it. Why should you, uh, why should you get, go out to work and labor and, and make money to fill your belly? Shouldn't God take care of that if he's sovereign? Why put salt on your eggs? Shouldn't God do that? So his, his idea, his teaching is, well, God has given humanity... He's given people the responsibility to act in, his, in God's governance, in His world, in this, this, this world that He's created and made. He makes us so that we can uh, affect matter. We can affect the world. He gives us responsibility. He, he, he calls us to live in such a way that we make a difference in the world. Now, he's in control, he's sovereign, C.S. Lewis would say. He's, he absolutely knows the end from the beginning, but in his decision on how to live this, for us to live this life, he, he, he incorporates our actions. He incorporates our prayers into the final outcome. And, and who, freedom, responsibility, yes, we have it, because God gave us responsibility. Take, for instance, uh, the call to make disciples. He's charged us, this church, the churches of the valley, the churches of the world, to go and make disciples. Couldn't He do that a lot better than us? Couldn't He be a lot more efficient than us? Couldn't He put like a, uh, a sign on our forehead or something or put it internally in our minds? Couldn't He do that for every person? But He's chosen to incorporate us into His plan and to use us for His glory. He's called us to responsibility He's given us human agency to move and act. And one of the analogies he used in terms of prayer and why it matters, he talked about a playwright. A playwright that writes the play, uh, uh, the way God writes the play of life, he allows his characters to have an impact on how the play turns out. He, he allows the characters' decisions and choices to to change the details or move, move in certain ways. And so, but the end is not in doubt. The author knows where the end is going. And so somehow he incorporates our decisions, our actions into how it plays out. And so the question is, if we don't pray, will things be undone? If we don't pray, will things not happen in this world? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe if we do pray, this world 
is changed. If we do pray that this world is impacted and affected and changed under the Lordship of our Father. Somehow, some way, He incorporates our prayers and our actions into His sovereign will. In a sense, we play a role in the winning of the world. So we come to these prayers that Jesus has laid out, and, and you ask the question like, well, uh, what, what, are, what do these prayers look like? Um, he, Jesus, who's been with the Trinity, you know, he came, became incarnate, and, and we have his, his words in the text. He says, when you pray, so he's been with God, and he says, here's how I want you to pray in a way that changes things. Here's how I want you to pray, uh, because these prayers move the Father's heart. Father, make your name holy in the world. In other words, hallowed, hallow your name. Father, our Father, may your kingdom come. Let it come, Lord, let it come. Jesus is teaching us to pray. <clears throat> what is a kingdom? Have you ever thought of that? What, what does it mean? Uh, did you realize that the, most, the biggest topic in Jesus' Jesus's preaching life, the biggest topic in His teaching life, the things that He talked the most about in the Scriptures, the kingdom of God, that, that, was, the, that was the content of it, the subject matter. What does it mean? Or in Matthew's Gospel, the kingdom of heaven, uh, Matthew is writing specifically to Jewish people, and so he didn't want to, you know, they were used to not taking God's name, speaking it out or writing it, so he put a heaven in the place of God, the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean, a kingdom? He says, pray for the kingdom to come. What, what does that look like? Well, in, in our realm, in our, in our life, we don't have many monarchs anymore, kings or queens, but in ancient times, a king or a queen would have a dominion over something. A reign over a realm. Okay? Uh, the Queen of England, I guess she's just a figurehead these days, but at one, one point the, the monarchy in England had a great uh, realm that they ruled over. The sun never sets on the king, kingdom of uh, the empire of, of Great Britain. So it was said. Uh, but when we're talking about the kingdom of God, I want you to get something very clear in your mind. What it means. When you're reading through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, we can summarize what the kingdom of God means by saying it's the rule of God. Okay, so it's, it's simple, but it, it's absolutely essential. When you see things like, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, let your rule, God, be over people. Okay, so uh, in my prayers for this church over the years, one of the consistent prayers I pray is, Lord, bring these people under your reign more fully. Bring Leaving Water Bible Fellowship more fully under the reign of the King, the rule of the Lord. Let it be, Lord, that your kingdom comes. Let it be, Lord, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, this, 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 uh, the outcome of this, what, what would happen if God answered this prayer, your kingdom come? And let, let's run down that path a little bit. 
So maybe you've said this prayer a lot in your life. Uh, maybe not. Maybe this is new to you. You haven't grown up a tradition where the Lord's Prayer has been said or taught or understanding it. Uh, so you pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Uh, when we pray that, what are we asking for? We, uh, of course, we're talking about the rule of God. And so starting with us, we're, we're saying, Lord, let your rule come over my life. Let your rule be over me. Uh, and you, you start praying that prayer, and, and then you suddenly realize all the different spheres, all the different realms, all the different categories where maybe God isn't presently ruling because we haven't let Him rule. We haven't bowed the knee. So maybe, uh, maybe in your business, God rules. What about your finances? Does God rule there? Or are you on the throne of that? What, what, so maybe you get your finances in order. What about your marriage? Is God ruling in your home? Or is God far from your home? Is God on the margins of your life? What about your college existence? Your, your going to school existence? Does God reign there? Or are you making all the decisions? Are you under the reign of your king and your decisions for your future? What about your dating life? Is God on the throne there? Or are you on the throne of that realm or that category or that, that, that segment of your life? You start looking around and you start thinking, what about your parenting? Am I, am I parenting under the reign of the king? Am I living by Jesus' commands? Am I under his teachings? Or am I parenting how I got taught by the psychologist down at the college? Am I under the reign of the king in so many arenas of my life? Or not? I mean, you start, you start playing this out, like you realize suddenly, uh, if you start praying this regularly, you, you're probably like me, you come to realize that, man, I, I am not really a subject of Jesus very much at all. I, I, there's so many areas in my life, you know, as you start going into this prayer, um, when I, when I started thinking about this prayer, I became a Christian you know, many years ago. Uh, when I was confronted by this, I realized uh, there are many, many areas that I had yet to bow the knee to, to Jesus Christ. And maybe that's the case with you. But when you start praying this prayer, uh, watch out. Because you're convicted by the Spirit that He doesn't rule yet. It's easy to talk about us being Christians. It's easy to have your name in a church role. Like, yeah, the members of... of uh, First Baptist Church of Timbuktu, great. Or First Assembly of God of, of wherever, great. But the real, the real thing is relationship with God. It, God has brought us into a relationship with Him. And, and the, the context of this prayer is, Lord, I want to be Your servant. I want to be submitted to You. I want to live according to Your ways. Let it be in my life. And really, you see the power of this prayer initially, personally, how radical it is. When we live in a culture that's constantly saying, you are the champion of your soul, it all matters what you want to do, it's all up to you to decide your feelings, your emotions, how you want to live, the gospel comes and says, it's about what God says and how He wants you to live. Man, you start praying this prayer, it's, it's pretty radical. But the second, the second way that this prayer is, is meant to be prayed, or uh, as our thinking, if God answered this prayer, really, we, we're praying that God, as in heaven, let your, your rule come upon earth. And, and literally, what would that look like? Like, there, we're going to talk about the spiritual, mystical aspect of that in a moment. But when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking 
God to send Jesus back to the earth. We are asking the Father, Oh, Father, please let Jesus come now. Let the second coming happen now. Let Jesus, because when He comes back, all human governments are going to be removed. All societies, uh, rules and regulations, all the legalism, all, all the different laws from this, this country to that country, all the different local governments. <laughs> Jesus will reign. And when He comes back physically and bodily as He left, He's going to be the Lord of all. There's different eschatologies, different ways of looking at the end times and seeing how it plays out. Exactly. But when we're praying that God would bring His kingdom, we're saying, God, please come win. Please wipe out the evil patterns and practices and cultures of this world. Instill your values. Instill your kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And really, uh, who can pray that kind of prayer? It's, it's actually somebody that's submitted to God. It's actually somebody who's already bowed the knee. I mean, I don't know very many worldly people that, that uh, would pray, oh, um, uh, some God out there, Jesus, come rule over me. Come be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lost people aren't going to pray that. So this is a prayer for the saints. This is a prayer for the believers. This is a prayer of people who know His character. See, we're asking Jesus to come because we know His character, that, that He's faithful, He's loving, He's good. He's merciful, He's graceful, He's awesome. We realize as Christians that if God came and ruled this earth, it would be so much better than all the human governments that are currently in place. So we, we plead for God to come back. We plead for Jesus. Lord, come. May your kingdom come today. Right? And, and really, if, if you're praying that, again, we come back to the rule thing. Like, if Jesus came back today... Uh, how would he find you living? Would he find a church that's really, really serving him? Really doing his will? Or would he find a church that looks just like the world? It could be a, a, a day where, where people say, yeah, I'm ready for Jesus to come back, but when he comes back, <clears throat> it could be a, a, a hard day. So, uh, if we pray this prayer again, that Jesus would come back, really it's calling us to internally make some changes. Really, it's, it's driving us to live differently. Really, the master teacher Jesus, the, the, the master you know, guider of life, he, he gives us this prayer because He knows what's going to happen to us internally. He knows how it's going to affect us if we really pray it. Because it will force us to think, and, oh, uh, yeah, if, am I ready to be under the reign of the king, like literally? Maybe I have some changes. And, and that's, that's why when Jesus came, right? When John the Baptist came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of God. It's at hand. And remember what the people did when that message went out in Jerusalem? When that message went out in Judea and Israel? Uh, the people repented. They came to be baptized by John the Baptist. They came to be baptized by Jesus because they, they, had, they had this realization, oh, God's kingdom is here. It's at hand. The proximity of the kingdom is now. We better get ready. And so the Pharisees, you know, they, what should we do? How should we repent? And the soldiers would, would, would say, what should we do? You know, and, and Jesus would, well, stop ripping people off. You know, these kind of things. Start living like godly people. If you're ready for the return of the king, you're living according to his ways and his principles and his purposes. Right? 
So there's a third way. The first is we, we, if we pray this, we're praying for our transformation, that we would come under the rule of the king. Second thing is we're praying for Jesus to come back. The best thing that could happen in the history of the universe, the history of the world, the history of the earth, it was that Jesus would come back to reign over the earth. His government would be instilled forever and ever and ever. The third thing has to do with kind of a spiritual level. Uh, and, and so let me run down this path just a little bit. Uh, remember when, when God made the heavens and the earth and uh, remember walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Uh, the kingdom was there, right? There was no doubts about who ruled. There's no doubts about who reigned. Uh, God reigned. But then when sin came, what happened? They, Adam and Eve and the rest of humanity, they rebelled. They weren't under the rule, of the, ultimately, yes, under the rule of sovereign God. This is His world. Every square inch of it belongs to God. Right? So ultimately, everybody and all life and everything's under God. But the, the sin of people, they rebelled. And so they, they weren't under God anymore. They were cast out of the garden. East of Eden, they were sent. Right? And so since that time, the world's been east of Eden. It's been far from God in rebellion. And, and so the, the, the Old Testament... Right? The consequences. We read about the consequences of sin again and again through cultures and societies in Israel. And we see Israel at a certain point in their, their existence and their journey. They're sent into exile away from the promised land. And during this season, before they leave and after they leave, the prophets start preaching. The prophets start making announcements about a coming kingdom. They make promises about Israel being the head again, not the tail anymore. Make promises about the, the mountain of Israel being lifted up against all the other nations. They make promises of, of reconciliation with God, of redemption and, and transformation in the world. And it's a beautiful, the messages of the prophets, it's hard to read the prophets, the, the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Old Testament, but their message is consistent. God's going to restore His world to Himself. He's going to reconcile to the world that's lost in rebellion, bring it back to Himself. The story of the Bible is the story of reconciliation, of bringing the world back into the reign of the King. Okay, and then we come to the New Testament, what happens? John the Baptist says, it's here. Man, you better turn your life around if you haven't gotten right with God yet because the Kingdom of God is here. It's near, it's, the proximity is close, and Jesus came preaching, came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of God is near. I mean, Jesus' passion in preaching, and, and it seemed like the whole countryside repented and turned. At least they did on the surface. Right? And, and so Jesus, uh, through His preaching and teaching, through those, those, you know, His public ministry of three years, He's always talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, like... Uh, because he was there, the kingdom was there. He called people, to, uh, you know, if I cast out Satan, if I cast out demons, means the kingdom of heaven is near you. There's so many ways that he, he, he explained that the proximity of the kingdom was, was here because he was here. And really, what, what it meant, as we read the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, things, the kingdom of God has come, but maybe not in the final form. It, it's here already, but, but, uh, but not yet completely. So look at, really quickly, look at Ephesians chapter 1 with me. Ephesians chapter 1. Just to give you a picture of, of how the Apostle Paul and how the other, the other apostles, how they looked at Jesus' death and resurrection and what it meant. 
uh, that he worked, verse 20, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So Apostle Paul is saying, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was seated at the right hand of God in a place of power and authority. Okay? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Uh, the Apostle Paul is presenting Jesus as the Lord of all. There's a sense where His kingdom has come. Okay? Remember, remember Matthew 28, you know, verse 18, where he says to the disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me on heaven and the earth. And, and so uh, the Apostle Paul, he says, Now the fulfillment of the ages has come. Speaking of Jesus and bringing the kingdom. Okay? But we don't see it yet. It's, it's not tangible. It's not something we can touch yet. So we pray that it'll come back fully. That Jesus, when He comes back, will see the kingdom. will be able to touch the kingdom because Jesus is right there and His government is right here. But right now, He reigns. But what's happening right now? What's going on right now? Right now, the gospel is being spread through the earth. Today, thousands and thousands of people around the world, tens of thousands of people, will come to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. Every day is a celebration in heaven as all these people are turning to Jesus and being saved. It's a glorious and a wonderful thing where people come under the reign of the King, where people come under the rule of God. And, and, and Paul talks about what's happening there in, in this sense. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Okay? He's, he's portraying it as kingdoms, as rulers, as authorities. There's a transfer of ownership, as it were. God, He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul's writing in the church of Colossae, he says, what's happened to you? You used to be under the rule of the enemy. You used to be under the reign of the dark one, the evil one, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The dominion, the dominion of darkness, you used to be under that. But when you came to Jesus Christ, when you confessed your sins, when you trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you were transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His Son. In other words, you, you left that rule. All the lost people in the world today are under the rule, not of God. They're in the dominion of darkness still. When they come to Jesus Christ, it's so important, that's why we share the gospel, it's so important why we proclaim the gospel and preach the gospel. We want to see people move from dominion and darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. It's happening again today, life after life. Maybe there's somebody here who right now comes to understand the, the depth of their sin, the depth of their wickedness before God. They hear the gospel, they understand the gospel, they realize they need Jesus to save them. They realize that only Jesus could save them through His cross, through the shedding of His blood. And so they say, yes, I trust in Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin and I trust in Him. And when that happens, man, the angels rejoice. Because people cross over to life. Cross over from death to life. From darkness to light. Jesus saves. And my point in this, okay, the third way that this prayer of let your kingdom come happens is we're praying that God's dominion, His rule, would come upon lost people's lives. 
Let your light come on, on my neighbor who's still lost. My family member, my kid who doesn't know you yet. Lord, let your kingdom come upon them. May they come to see who you are. May they see your rule, your authority, your power. And they bow the knee to you. Let your kingdom come. And, and again, it's, it's something that God does, but He incorporates our prayers. Jesus is saying, man, one of the greatest things you can pray for is that God's kingdom would come upon your lost neighbors. That God's, God's kingdom would come upon your lost classmates. That God's kingdom would come upon the people you go to college with. Man, you, you could spend your whole next week, next week just praying this one simple phrase. Let it come, Lord. Let your kingdom come. As you're walking down the road, pray for that neighbor. As you're walking to school, pray for that kid in that, that hallway, at that locker. Pray for that person again and again. Let your kingdom come upon their life, Lord. They need your salvation. They need your rescue. They need your deliverance. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. And so what, what's happening is that ultimately, yes, God's kingdom is going to come fully. It's already come in the spiritual sense, in the mystical sense. And so right now, all who are in Jesus Christ in this room are in the kingdom, are under the reign of the king. But one day, the world will see that God reigns completely and finally There'll be no ifs, ands, or buts, but our passion in the short term. Jesus teaches us to pray, Oh Lord, that lost grandma who's in her 80s now, she's never bent the knee. She's never repented of her sins. She's never turned to Jesus. Oh Lord, let her be saved before it's too late. Let your kingdom come upon her life, please. Please, Lord. Or maybe there's a, a guy that you go to work with and right now, man, he's dragging God's name through the mud again. He's cursing God's name all the time. He lives like he's sovereign. He lives like he's the king of the world. He lives like he's in the driver's seat. Oh, Lord, please, before he dies and goes to hell, please let your kingdom come upon him. May he hear the gospel and understand the gospel. May he come to confess his sins and trust in you as Savior and Lord. Please let your kingdom come, Lord. So we, 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 we plead this. And, and, and we ask these things. Let us come under your rule, God. Let the world come under your rule. Come back, Lord Jesus. But in the interim, please, Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come upon the lost in our community. Brothers and sisters, what a, a fantastic prayer that we could pray this week. What a way to pray and what a way to live. And, and remarkably, again, as, as we start praying these prayers, Jesus, He knows how this is going to affect us. If we start praying passionately for the lost, for the, the people we know, there's names coming to your, your, your mind right now of lost people that you don't want them to die because they, they would not be with God in heaven if they died today. We pray these prayers, and, and Jesus calls us to pray these prayers. But what happens when we start praying these passionately and regularly um, we, we, our, our actions change. Because if we pray constantly that someone would hear the gospel, like I remember when we, a few years ago we had that board out in the hallway where we had names that we put for people, right? If you're praying for someone for a whole year that they'd hear the gospel, how does that affect you? Sooner or later you're driven, maybe I should share the gospel with them. So Jesus calls us to pray these things because He knows how it's going to affect us. So if you don't want to be transformed in your life, if you don't want to be transformed in your behaviors, if you don't want to be transformed as God wants you to be transformed, don't pray the way that Jesus has taught us to pray.
If you're comfortable in your own righteousness, if you're comfortable being the ruler of your life, if you're comfortable being the king on your own throne, do not pray these prayers. But if you're ready to see people around you changed, if you're ready for people around you to be saved, if you're ready to see God move in our nation, in our city, in our town, in our families, Jesus says, <clears throat> Ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be opened to you. Let us be a church of prayer. Let us be a church that prays as our Father would like us to pray. Would you stand in the Lord's presence? God Almighty, we would like to see you praised. We would like the whole world to give you the honor you deserve. We would like the whole uh, of, of, of all of life to um, exalt you as you only deserve. Lord, let it start with us. Let your kingdom come upon us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that as we work through our week and we start praying in these ways, that you would speak, Lord, about uh, changes and in, in things that need to go different in our life. We submit ourselves to you. And we know that in your hands, Father, we're safe. We're secure. You love us. You always bring us to the best end. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.